And so we can literally rewire our brain. When we repeatedly do something, we are training and we are creating those neural pathways in the brain that eventually make that something a habit and a way of being and it becomes who we are. Well, mm. With that knowledge, we can use that to our advantage. So I think it's important, first and foremost, to really look closely. What are my habits? What are my ongoing thoughts that I repeatedly do? What's, like, who am I? Like, what are, what are um, attitudes and traits am I embodying? How do I go out there and approach my day? Is it in a, am I, am I living with an attitude of excellence? Or am I living with an attitude of feeling sorry for myself and thinking things don't ever work out? Uh-huh. Let's go! You are listening to the Heath Fluids Podcast. And we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the Second Chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heath Fluids Podcast. It's an actually a really nice day here in Florida today. I always like to tell people what the weather is. My my uh, my team is always like, why do you always tell everybody what the weather is like? I said, I guess I should just bring encouragement to some people who are still in the winter seasons or or and and my guess is actually halfway around the world. So um, I don't even know. I, I think it's are you at 16 hour time difference from East Coast time, Elizabeth? No, we are five hours ahead ahead five hours yeah. ahead okay yeah. so it's about two o'clock i'm guessing 220 ish in the in the afternoon there is that right uh, 120 here now okay 120 yeah okay so you're four hours now because oh, okay we sprang forward so now you've went back for uh, i don't know if you knew that so we did that this past weekend so um we we moved our clocks ahead so i think she gets to bounce back and forth between four hours difference and five hours difference, depending on what we're doing. I wish we would stay at this, to be honest with you, because this allows it to be dark till about eight o'clock. doesn't get dark till about eight o'clock, which is really nice because you can play two more hours of golf. I am a golf uh, <laughs> fanatic. Uh, Wednesdays is my day that I play golf. I play golf every Wednesday morning. Um, because I can, and I love it. I play, you're going to laugh, Elizabeth. I play golf with three guys in their mid eighties. Now, um, just think about how many 80 year olds are out there that are either in a nursing home or are struggling with their health or they're overweight or they can't move. These guys, literally one of them, one of my clients, actually, his name is Ed. He's 85. Um, I just helped him overcome, uh, prostate cancer. And, um, he plays golf two days a week, pickleball three days a week, um, water polo two days a week. And now he said, he's going to start playing tennis one more day a week. So I'm like, that means you're doing something twice a day sometimes. And he's like, yeah, more than most. Right. I'm like more than people half your age, right. More than people in their forties. Right. And so um, I, I'm excited because it's really funny. Like um, I block off about an hour for these times and I kind of had Elizabeth get on early with me and we were just kind of chatting back and forth about uh, really just about life in general, right? Like, like things she's doing, things I'm doing, how we can serve each other. Uh, I think we have a very similar mind fa- mindset. 
uh, when it comes to a lot of things. She's a biohacker. I'm a biohacker. We love tapping into systems inside of people's bodies uh, with things that, to be honest with you, there's a lot of people that they don't know that there's things inside their body that can be turned back on. I was telling Elizabeth about things that I do. Um, I made a big mistake yesterday and just stupidly took my activators in the middle of the afternoon and didn't fall asleep till about four o'clock in the morning. And I went to bed at 8.30. So that was fun. I got up and read some of, um, I got actually read some, one of my friend's books, did some, did some prayer and some reading and, and stuff. And so I did some journaling, caught up on some emails. Uh, but you know what's great about the way I feel? I feel great no matter what, right? Like I just feel good all the time. And uh, we, Elizabeth and I were talking about that, about things that she's done, things that I've done and uh, how we can do that. And, and I like it because Elizabeth's a former professional athlete, which I love talking with professional athletes. Um, uh, she grew up on a small British island called Jersey, which is not the Jersey that we know, most of us listening here in the United States. Um, and she had no access to, to coaching, so, you know, um, but she's real. I, I, she, she used this word and I love it. It's relentless of aspirations of becoming an elite athlete. And she did that. Right. Uh, she was ranked number one in Great Britain um, in her sport. And um, she said this. I love what she said. She said these experiences in her life ignited her to empower others to develop my mindset and habits necessary in order to kind of pierce through the barriers and stand between them. And, and actually, you know, a lot of people need that. A lot of people need someone in their life to allow them to see their own potential, right? To see their identity. Because um, for me, I have um, as, um, positive affirmations and grateful gratitude writings on my mirror in the bathroom upstairs in my office. I have a big office upstairs. Um, we live on the water and, um, my wife has her own bathroom. I have my bathroom upstairs. It's just how it works. <laughs> yeah. And there's more room and, you know, there, I have my closet upstairs, she has lots of clothes and stuff. And so, um, I write and she even writes stuff on there. She writes stuff for me to read about myself and it has allowed me to, um, be stronger in my weaknesses. You know, um, as a man of God, God's taught me a lot about myself, like, how I can become better, how I can allow him to walk beside me and, and to make me to make me better. So Elizabeth can welcome to the Heatfluence podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you just because I feel like now I know you a little bit better, but we've been talking on on Clubhouse. I love her accent, by the way. It's the I think the thing about the 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 British accent is that it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful inside. And if you you can't obviously if you're listening on any of the uh, iTunes or Anchor or Spotify or anything that you're listening to. You can't see us, but we're on Zoom and we use little bits and pieces of these to promote. Um, we met on Clubhouse. We, she she does a room with me. I um, uh, That's really late for her, which I, I push her to do that. But I don't really, I told her if you ever want to go to sleep, just say, hey, I'm going to sleep. Um, I'm going to guess that she's uh, um, unlike me. I don't even know. Maybe she'll tell us. I'm an early riser. I was just, as I was just saying, you know, I I, uh, I, I made a mistake about what time I got up and what time I took my nutritional products. But uh, thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. And 
you know, I get inspired by these conversations, you know, our clubhouse room that we do, it is late. I am an early riser, but I'm so inspired by the conversations that we have and the ideas that are shared. And I think that's how we grow. That's how we become our best self. I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but it really, really is. And so I'm finding myself, I get up the next day with more energy as a result of those conversations. Yeah, I think I think when... You know, um, I go on a um, a uh, in the mornings. I go on a clubhouse called Breakfast with Champions. Okay, to me, um, if you watch my podcast, um, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, it's really, really good. I'll have a new one this week. I'll, I'll I don't even know which one is today because this week because my editor has not sent me the piece. He usually sends it to me in the morning on Monday morning. And, um, but it was my friend, Glenn Lundy and Glenn went from being homeless to impacting millions. He's now done almost 830 episodes in the morning on Facebook of rise and grind. And I, I, I changed the way I say certain things just by being around Glenn. And I think obviously we want to be around like-minded people, but Glenn taught me, we want to be around heart-minded people people that have a heart and a passion for other people. Um, you know, I've been in some rooms that um, I won't go in anymore. And um, I have to also protect myself as a man of God. Like one of the things that Elizabeth, I'll be vulnerable right now and, and be kind of transparent that I did not like about Instagram was half naked people, right? Like mm-hmm. people showing off just because, because as a man, right? You, you want to protect your eyes. And whether you think you've got it all together, you don't have it all together. It doesn't matter whether you're a woman and you're seeing a man with half naked or a woman, you, you, you know, whether you're single or married, it doesn't matter. I'm married. I have to protect my eyes. I have to protect myself. I have to protect what I do. And it's funny, every time I go on there, I literally type something in and I look at the search bar because I know there's underneath it. If I'm searching for something, there's 30 half naked women. Right. And, and, and I told, I, I have accountability partners. I told him, I said, it's the only thing I don't like about Instagram, but I just put about 4,000 people on my Instagram in the last six to seven weeks. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's allowed me to kind of look at it from a different perspective, but I'm still protective. Right. So Elizabeth, why don't you tell me your story? Like, like, who is Elizabeth? Like, where did you come from? Obviously, we know where you came from, your mom. But it, tell me a little bit about living where you live and the culture and, you know, not having any coach and then being successful and where that's led you to now. Yeah, definitely. So I was actually born in England, but my family moved to Jersey when I was about three. And Jersey's such a small island, but lovely, amazing beaches and just a generally sporty island. Everything's so close together. So I grew up doing loads of different sports, you know, badminton, obviously, gymnastics, swimming, synchronized swimming, diving, you know, all these different things. And it didn't matter what sports I did. My mum, my mum used to say, you can't just do a sport to enjoy it. They always wanted me to end up competing in it. Maybe it was just my mentality as a small child doing these sports. So I was constantly competing in sports from a young age. But badminton was always the sport that it just had my heart 
I don't really know why, because I was so young when I felt that way. Possibly something to do with the fact that the whole family played badminton. My mum and dad just picked it up as adults and played in a club. But my older brother, who's like four and a half years older than me, he used to play in tournaments. I just remember from a small age, him winning all these competitions and our our cabinet in the dining room was full of his trophies and medals. And I used to be like, I want a medal. Like, you know, I'm just this five-year-old who can hardly hold a racket because the racket's almost as big as me, you know. But I, I think maybe that ignited this passion in me to want to do well in this sport. So when I talk about not having a coach at that young age, Really, I didn't have access to top level coaching. So my mama actually taught me how to play badminton. She had quite a good eye for looking at what some of the better players were doing. And then she would take me to the badminton hall and show me what she'd seen. And she, I, you know, I, I have everything to I owe everything to my mum because she had a very open mind. She looked ahead. And when I was about 10 years old, she was like, why don't we go over to the mainland in England, you and your partner, and just see how you get on in a tournament over there. And we went and we won the doubles in our first tournament and got to the semifinals of the singles. And so it's just just like 10 years old, but in the national circuit of England. And so we're these little girls from Jersey who nobody's ever heard of. And we come in and we win this competition. And that really set the scene and started this process of us traveling back and forth from Jersey to England monthly from the age of 10, playing in these competitions. And we barely lost a competition. And so that meant at the age of 13, I was picked to represent England in the junior squad. So that, and you know, I used to get, even though I was winning these competitions, I used to be described as being raw. Now, what people meant by that was that they didn't see me as having the necessary skills of the game. It just looked like messy badminton, but I won. But what I did have naturally was this real grit and determination. I just wouldn't let it lie. You know, I kind of had this nickname of spaghetti arms because somehow my arms would come out of nowhere and just manage to get the shot back. So yes, it was. What did you call it? What did you call it? You you called it a what? You managed to get the what back? You called it a different shuttle. The The shuttle. Trussle. Shuttle. Oh, shuttle. Shuttle cop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I I just it's just good to hear you say that. I just wanted to hear you say that the shuttle. (laughs) Shuttle. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So that was that was it. So through the juniors, I was representing England from the age of thirteen right the way through to the end of the junior years until I was eighteen. And at that stage, I really had to make a choice. Am I going to pursue this as a career or am I going to go to university and take a different route? Now, nowadays, you can you can pursue both at the same time. And I know in the States, I think it, it was a much better setup where you can have scholarships and do your sports and your education all at the same time. But in the UK, it wasn't so structured like that. So I had a spot at university but I chose my sport because I thought this can't wait. I can always go back and continue my education. And so, but I needed, I was going to take that route. I needed to find a way to access the coaching and the training circle and set up that I needed. 
I was quite fortunate. I got to represent Jersey in my first Commonwealth Games at the age of 19. So I did that competition and that was that made it a definite yes for me. I was so inspired by being around all these professional athletes. And two months after that, I was living in Denmark. Now, Denmark, because Denmark is one of the best countries in Europe for badminton. So I moved over there and, you know, on one hand, it was like, oh, this is great. I'm off out in the world living my dream. And on the other hand, I was like, right, I'm in this country. I don't know anybody. I can't speak a word of Danish. And I was quite shy back at that point in time as well. You shy? (laughs) So that really put me out of my comfort zone and in this place where I'm like, I had to make a decision. Am I doing this or not? You know, and I distinctly remember sitting there and making this decision to have no regrets. Now, that meant that when all is said and done and I get to the end of my career, I had no idea how long that career would would be. But when I look back over that career, that I, I, no matter what I did or didn't achieve, I'd want to know that I gave it my all. I, and I could sleep easy at night. There was nothing in my mind thinking, I wish I had done this or done that. And I can honestly say that that choice changed the trajectory of my career. It it just 10x my commitment and my focus. And it just made me a lot more present with what I was doing. So you good. know, and I think each time I stepped on the court or I stepped in the gym, it was like, okay, how focused and committed am I today? Because we all know that to, to have world-class results, you need to have world-class days. But world-class days are made up of world-class moments. So I, you know, obviously I'm human. There were days that were off. There were times that I needed that extra support or it didn't feel like it was quite going as the way I wanted it to go. But fundamentally, that's what, that's the approach that I took. So I was in Denmark for three years. And just at the end of that time in Denmark, I started to get some back problems. I didn't, you know, I was just going to the physio. It didn't hinder How me. old were you then? I was 21, 21, 22 at that stage. you playing since you're like six, right? Yeah. Now, it was actually when I moved. So I moved to Denmark when I was 19. And at that point, that's when I really started to get the skill training that I needed. So just a couple now, of years big- in there, you started having back problems. Yeah. Now, I played my second Commonwealth Games every four years, and that was in 2002. And at that point, I made the choice to move to England because whilst I'd been in Denmark, they really got the national structure set set up and going really well. And we had a good coach for the, the lady single squad, which I was in. And so I made that choice to move to England. And just as I was getting ready to go to those next Commonwealth Games, It was the last training session before I was getting on the bus to go there that I really hurt my back and it just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, okay, just, just stop. Now I didn't think too seriously about it because I thought a physio has always got me through, so it'll be fine, but not this time that didn't happen. I ended up going to these games and I didn't end up competing. So I spent three weeks walking around 
the athlete village and all these these sporting venues watching everybody else compete but not me mm. now sometimes i think there is a silver lining when these these so-called bad events happen in life you know there i am i can hardly tie my own shoelaces i couldn't get out of bed one time it was that bad but at that point in time in the sports in the athletes village at these games i happened to bump into one of the british high jumpers dalton grant he's three-time olympian in his sport we just got talking and he mentioned a sports doctor in germany that a lot of top athletes go to so a chain of events happen and at the end of these games i get in contact with him and say i'd like to go and see this doctor so we went over together he was going anyway at that point in time and i mentioned to him that i really struggled with running because it hurt my knees when i ran and he said to me well when we get back from germany come down to to where i live that was down in london so it was about an hour an hour and a half away from where i lived he said let me look at your technique and see if i can help you so i did that and two weeks later of correcting my technique no more problems running so i thought okay if i can do that in two weeks of working with him what would happen if i worked with him on a regular basis and that was the start of a 12-year relationship of him being my coach and my mentor now i think even more important than me getting over my running technique i was now immersed in this setup and i was surrounded by people who were highly focused highly disciplined and very strong-minded it was footballers it was track and field athletes it was a whole range there that we were training together and dalton himself is very strong-minded so that shifted everything yet again and he started to instill in me this new belief around aiming for various international medals and we had in mind to get a medal at the commonwealth games and the european games now initially when he spoke about it to me it felt like a, a it was hard for me to believe it fully but the more we spoke about it over time it just became obvious it was this ingrained goal this solid belief that that's what i was going to do now after working with dalton for a year i went from being ranked in the top 50 in the world to being ranked in the top 20 in the world that wasn't even our goal that was a byproduct of getting the right training that i needed physically and the right mindset and being surrounded by the right people and by default i started to adopt these high performance habits that just shifted my energy my approach again and just brought my my whole level up so you know that that just brought home the importance of having these the, these certain things in our environment of filling our mind in a certain way you know in in order to bring about to separate you from the crowd and bring you up to to the top level so we go four years go by and i'm going for this commonwealth medal i aim for a commonwealth medal and i had had an awful season leading up to that the reason why is because i actually fell out with my badminton coach she didn't want me to train with dalton 
she wanted me to keep training with her. I was training with her on court, but she wanted me to train with her physically. But that was just a non-negotiable for me because of the results I'd had with working with Dalton and the experiences I'd had with my coach of being injured a lot of the time. It was just something I wasn't prepared to give up. And it, you know, it just created a lot of turbulence in my training environment and impacted on my performance. However, I got to the, these next Commonwealth Games were actually competing in Australia. And, you know, my dad said to me at the time, he said, you haven't just become a bad badminton player overnight. It's like I couldn't, I just couldn't seem to win a match at this point in time. But I remember getting on that plane and just thinking, that's it, enough. I'm done with that. Like, switch your mind, get your mind back in the game properly. Like, bring it back to what you know brings you those results bringing that focus back in and something switched in again. And I just started to bring back some of my good performances. And I actually got to the semifinals of these Commonwealth games and I was playing off for a bronze medal. And we play best of three to 21, best of three games to 21 points in badminton. And I lost the first game. I won the second game and we were 19 points each in the third set so both two points away from winning this medal and standing on the podium and I lost this match I mean to say I was devastated was an understatement but I did what athletes do you know you you feel you feel bad for a little bit but you have to switch it back and get your head back in the game quickly there is no time for dwelling on what hasn't worked and what hasn't gone well so I had to kind of bring myself back in the game again and I think at those times when things don't feel like they're going well go back to basics what is it that brought you into a high level of performance in the first place what are some of the really simple basic habits mentally physically emotionally that you have in place that bring you into that space. And so that's what I did. I really had to just bring myself back down to the beginning again and just reestablish myself. Now, over time, I became national champion five times and I won European medals twice. But I wanted that Commonwealth medal and four years go by. And I'm representing England in Delhi, in India. Now, 2010? This, 2010, yes. And at this point, I knew realistically it was my, my last chance to get a medal in the Commonwealth Games because I was now in my 30s. Now, I'm, I'm not a believer in thinking about age and thinking about getting old. That, that isn't the point. But I was experiencing more injuries as a result of basically a lot of hard training. I was training six days a week for years, you know, and it's a ex very explosive sport, badminton. So, you know, my there was certain wear and tear on my body and my ankles and my back and all these different things. So I knew that for me to stay at the top and be able to compete with the best in these games, I had to train a certain amount. So I went there and we had, always had the team event as the first week and I didn't perform my best in this team event, but I get to the individuals in the second week 
And I had done a lot of visualization leading up to these games. I'm a big believer in visualizing what we want to come to fruition, a lot of meditation, because I believe that it, high performance isn't just this external go out there, do, do, do. I think we've got to align our mind with the vision Amen. that we've got, you know, and I think this is when you get your mind, your thoughts aligned with where you want to go and you manage to get your emotions aligned with your thoughts and your vision, it brings us into this state of coherence. And in that state of coherence, that's when we're at our best. That's when we access the flow state that you hear in the world of sports a lot. And I know I very much experienced if I was in a state, if I was out of a state of coherence, I could lose to somebody ranked 70 in the world. But when I'm in coherence, I was beating somebody ranked seven in the world. Love that. You know, so it's incredible. Your mindset. Yeah, your mindsets. It's funny you bring that up because, and then I'll let you finish. I just you just made me think about some things we were talking about this this weekend, and it's really funny hearing that. It's not a co- I don't believe. Just so you know me, you know me. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe everything happens for a reason. God knows the plans that He has for us. It's to put people together at the right timing and do the right things. And it's really funny here in the states. You know, um, I'm a, as I told you before, I'm a big golfer and 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 a UK golfer, Lee Westwood, um, who uh, the last two weeks has led going into the final round of a golf tournament, one here in Orlando, then over in uh, St. Augustine, and and he lost, right? Right. Both times. And, uh, and they asked him, you know, basically point blank, like, you know, what happened? He's like, I've just continued to lose my focus. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, and, and we were listening and it's like, you know, to take the person that practices all the time, but you take the person who visualizes Right. And then the person who practices and visualizes and sees the mindset of it, they're the person that becomes the most successful. I think even with me, I used to be like a 12 or 15 handicap golfer. And now I'm somewhere around a three handicap golfer. Why? Because I started to see myself making these shots. I started seeing myself consistently swinging the same instead of speeding up or slowing down or trying to swing and hit harder. And so, I'm excited because you're just about at the point to tell me what happened next. What happened next? 2010, right? Yeah, I'm entering these in this individual event. This is it. It's crunch time. My coach, Dalton, was flying over to India. And I, I had to manage my nerves around it. I had to stay focused and calm. It's such a drawn out process, you know, these two weeks of competition. And, you know, I took my visualization to the next level. I, you know, at home in the lead up to it, I had a little place set where I was going to put my medals when I won them. And I had candles around it and that spot was there ready. And, you know, I, I wasn't playing my best at the beginning of the individual event, but it was enough to keep moving through each round. And I got better and better as I went on. And I'm starting to really get to the crunch points of it and talk about everything happening for a reason. I remember standing in the athlete village one day and I could just feel like the nerves and this anxiety run through me over what was going to unfold. 
And then I turned around and I remember seeing the South African team standing at a distance with their yellow shirts on and their back was to me. And on the back of their shirts, it said, just relax. And I thought. Perfect timing, <laughs> right? Like right timing. there so I can see you, right? Yeah. This whole sea of about 50 athletes standing there with this just relax message on their back. And I was like, okay, you can do this, you know. And I remember the, the visualization I did. So I basically, okay, so I've skipped a bit. So I'm working my way through the rounds. I get to the semifinals. I lost in the semifinals. So that meant I was playing off for the bronze medal. Again. Like four years ago. <laughs> and wait for it. It was against exactly the same person that I lost to four years ago. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about adding to the tension of it. Like, you cannot repeat that twice. No. And I remember my last visualization the morning of that match it, i made it so real i brought in the emotion the feelings the vision the the smell the taste everything of it that i cried with the joy that i would feel as though it already happened and i step on i look out into the arena where we get lined up to walk out onto court before the match and i peeked out and into the arena and I could just see this sea of faces filling up the arena and I thought okay remember what your coach told you that pressure is a privilege when we're in you work so hard to get yourself into this top position that it's a privilege to be there and to embrace being in that position that other people are aspiring to be in and I have done certain things. I have become a certain person to get me to that place. And so now it's to enjoy it and to continue to be that person so that I can continue to perform at that level. So good. So I get onto the court. We start playing the match. We're playing best of three to 21. And I find myself 15-5 down. And my coach, I keep looking at my coach and my coach said, okay, it's okay. It's early days to stay calm. And I'm thinking it's not really early days anymore. I'm 15, five down, you know, and something just clicked in my head. I, you know, I took a deep breath. I'm thinking about just relax. It's the only option. If I want to win, I have to be in a flow state to be yeah. in a flow state. I have to remain calm. And I had this one long rally which I won. And that was just the turning point. I just started to claw my way back one point after another, after another, until I won that set. And then I go into the second game and we're neck and neck halfway through, just inching closer and closer to the finish line. And it's just like I could just feel myself freeing up and loosening up. And I, I was just becoming on fire as I was on court. And then I won the match. And I was just elated by it, like massively relieved. Probably relief is actually like comes first, but I could almost hardly breathe. I was so ecstatic that I'd finally won it. You know, it was a long time coming, but to accomplish something that for years, since the moment I moved back to England, I'd been talking about. And because the games are only every four years, you don't get many opportunities, you know, 
And it's like the Olympics, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, eventually, I think if you just stay relentless on your pursuit of something, yes, there are other goals in between. There are other things that, you know, take your attention, but it, they're all building blocks one upon the other to build up the whole picture of, of an athlete's career. It's so good. Um, yeah, I think so. That's the, that's the crux of my story. I love and that. For me, I went from this, this young, you know, enthusiastic, sporty girl. Fit, who, healthy. Yeah. Yes. The whole. Exactly. And I, you know, I was lucky that I had my, my parents there. My mum used to make me go and do hill sprints with my brother when I was in my young teens. And I love that. She had a point that there were times. Well, that where was Carmen, me- right? Carmen was your mom, right? Yes, exactly. And there, there were times when I didn't want to, as any team might not want to. But like she said to me, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You either want to do it or you don't want to do it. And my parents made the sacrifices. We were traveling a lot. That cost money. So I either want to do it to that degree and represent my country and be one of the best in the game, or I want to do it socially. But there was no two ways about it. I wanted to be one of the best in of the course. game. Of course. So I think that's, I think that's, that's, um, you know, our parents, my dad even said this last night, like, Oh, you know, we went to games and we, you know, we went to your track meets and we went to your basketball games and we went to your, you know, your baseball games and we went to your football games and you played every sport there was right. Like, you know, you wanted to skateboard and you wanted to do everything. And I was super, super athletic. I ran track in college, actually right over my shoulder, right. There is a picture of me in college running um a track in college i weighed about 160 some pounds you know and i still have the same waist as i had back then now yeah. but i just weigh about 215 pounds super fit now muscle weighs we know that muscle I mean, is more dense than than fat and, and and i'm very you know healthy and fit now and I, I think um i have a lot of uh compassion for people who love and honor and respect their parents i'm going to assume that you're so close are your mom and dad still around uh elizabeth my mom no unfortunately my mom passed away at the end of 2019 okay um my dad is he's in jersey okay uh, yeah so are you so close with your father i'm assuming yes absolutely i've always been so close i was to my gonna parents. say mom dads and dads and and their little girls are just are you yeah. an only child or what do you have other brothers no, I've, got, I've got a brother yeah okay yeah okay. Awesome. I, I noticed that um, you're a Brendan Burchard fan, which I, I am yeah. a Brendan Burchard fan, too. I I saw on your site that you said that one of his quotes, it says, no matter your position, your circumstance or opportunities in life, you always have the freedom of mind to choose how you experience, how you interpret and how you ultimately shape your world. Yeah. What does that mean to you? What? What does where you are now? Because obviously, you know, every sport is different, right? Like Lee Westwood, you brought up age. He's 47 yeah. and, he, and he's losing to kids in their 20s. Let's be realistic, right? He lost to Justin Thomas yesterday, an American who is 26, I think, or 27, right? So he's losing to these guys 20 years younger. You played your sport for almost 30 years, right? Says you're retired around 35, right? which is not too long ago because you're just, it says you're about to be 41. I think, is that right? Or 42? I'm 41 now. Yeah. yeah you will be 42 soon. Right. Yeah. And so, um, 
you're not superly long yeah. uh, away from your sport. Um, and, 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 you know, just like even here, when you brought up, this is what something really cool and you can answer this is when you, when you talked about, you know, going into the arena, that's changed nowadays with COVID, right? Like, I don't even know, like, um, last year when they had the NBA finals, it was here in Orlando, not far from me. And there was nobody there, right? Like they just played, it was like a scrimmage, right? And some of the teams that were really benefited from having home experiences didn't play really well. Like it was, you know, that everybody kind of expected the Lakers to kind of win. And, you know, nobody expected the fifth seed in the East, which was the Miami Heat, to make it there. But it made they made it there because there wasn't this huge uh, advantage of of the crowd of a crowd of a home home court advantage. Right. And I mean, even nowadays, like, you know, um, the NCAA tournament will be starting here in the United States this week. And they've decided that, you know, they're having them mostly in one state right? Like they're not traveling around and doing all these different things. Right. And, and I, I think that makes a difference, that atmosphere and that thing. So when you think about motivation and, and, and like Glenn says, you know, education and inspiration and those quotes that Brennan was said, what are some of the things that you teach and some of the things that inspire you now being separated from your sport and what you plan to do and what you're doing to inspire other people, encourage other people. Cause I really love your story, but I think what's great about it is now you've taken your story and made it into a lifestyle to help other people excel in their areas where they're struggling and going through. So talk about that. Yeah. I, you know, I think my journey of being this child who was just enthusiastic to be honest with you, I wasn't a particularly a natural at the sport to eventually reaching the top 20 in the world and standing on various podiums. It, I, I've shown myself, I have had the experience that we are often far more capable than we can even imagine. And we need to find a way to tap into that. And we do that through mindset training, through implementing certain habits, and strategies, surrounding ourselves with the with the right people, finding what we absolutely love to do in life and what's going to light us up because that's when we're going to be inclined to, to sacrifice for it and to put in the work that needs to be put in and do whatever you need to do in order to help you to excel in that. And, you know, our, our mind, our view of the world is shaped by our experiences in life and the way that we interpret those experiences in life. You know, we've all got what I like to think of with wearing a pair of glasses that are tinted and all of our glasses are tinted slightly differently. And that tint determines how we see the world out there. And it's our job, if, that, if those glasses aren't serving us, if they're not bringing us to the place we want to be in life, it's our job to change them. And oh, we can literally rewire our brain. When we repeatedly do something, we are training and we are creating those neural pathways in the brain that eventually make that something a habit and a way of being, and it becomes who we are. Well, mm. With that knowledge, we can use that to our advantage. So I think it's important, first and foremost, to really look closely. What are my habits? What are my ongoing thoughts that I repeatedly do? 
what's like who am I like what what um attitudes and traits am I embodying how do I go out there and approach my day is it in a am I am I living with an attitude of excellence or am I living with an attitude of feeling sorry for myself and thinking things don't ever work out Uh. you know and so I think I think just changing the story and shifting our perspective on things okay if we've got a certain perspective on something in life that is either currently happening or has happened what's another way of looking at it because there'll be somebody else out there who will have a different perspective on it of course what meaning have you given to those experiences well how much value right how much value have you brought into those exactly Exactly. And I think that's I think that's super important. What and, and I've always wanted to ask you this question. This I, I was thinking I wrote down some stuff I might ask you, but it's it's funny. I, I was thinking like now you're not super far away from your from your sport, but you're obviously things change when we reach 40. We do a little bit things a little bit different. I told I was telling Elizabeth that I feel kind of like I'm in my 30s again from a physical standpoint. Um so what are you doing now to keep up with that competitive drive that you had before? Because, I mean, let's be realistic, um, you know, being an athlete myself um, and competing at a high level myself, um, I, I still use that to drive me in, in areas of my life to be, you know, to be a better friend, to be a better witness, to be you know, better for my clients to do more, to do that, to, to exercise more. I do spinning class, you know, and, and I ride my bike a hundred miles and, you know, I, I, I do all these things. What drives Elizabeth now to kind of not suffocate that athlete, that human, that was, you know, so hard driven, what drives you now? Yeah. That's an interesting question because you're right. Like that, that little girl who was so ambitious is still me. I am incredibly ambitious. I just, I want to see what's the most I can get out of myself in this lifetime. And that doesn't always have to look like massive accomplishments. Like you say, there are, there are the relationships that you have, your family, your friends, your partners. Um, It's I'm, I still live my life with an attitude of excellence. So when I do something, I like to do it well. You know, I still like to I look can tell after that. Myself. Yeah, I like to look after myself. I've literally got my green smoothie sitting here ready to have after we finish talking. I love it. Filled Mine's with downstairs. all the mushrooms and ginger and all yeah. the goodies. And, you know, I've turned my attention to an entrepreneurial lifestyle pursuits. I... I am very driven to support others to exceed their potential and to use and to translate what I experience as a professional athlete into helping others to exceed in whatever their area they're filled in, whether it's in sport, as a business builder, an entrepreneur, an artist, it doesn't matter because I believe that the foundation for success, high performance, fulfilling your dreams is getting your mindset right and taking care of your body. So good. Healthy body, healthy mind, strong body, strong mind will 
put us in the position to go and accomplish what we want to accomplish. So I, do you know, I'm like a sponge. I've got such an open mind for new things um, to come away and never sit in a position of thinking I know it all. Yeah. Get out of that room, right? You never yeah, want to be I in that room. I don't like that because I mean, I've learned things from you in the 10, 15 minutes we spoke before we started this interview. Appreciate that. So, yeah, I've always got an open mind and I'll always be open to trying new things. And, and I think that serves me because that's exciting in and of itself. Of course it is. Let alone then seeing how that translates in my clients and the people that I work with. I love to see that. And I think actually what drives me is the ripple effect that that can have in the world. If I work, I love to work with people who are heart-centered and purpose-driven. Yeah, I love that. And when they've got those three things, like I know they are going to go out and create amazing things. Same again, heart-driven. Heart-driven, no, sorry, heart-centered, purpose-driven and ambitious. So good. That, when I work with people like that, I get excited because you can probably hear it in my voice. I get excited because I know they're going to transform. And when they transform, who knows what they're going to go out into the world and create and all the lives that they're going to transform. And I won't even know half of what's happened because of the ripple effect. But again, I still want to have no regrets. Just like when I first moved to Denmark and I wanted to have no regrets as an athlete, it's the same now when all is said and done in this life, whenever that may be, I want to know that I've left it all on the table and, you know, I've, I've expanded my potential as far as it can go. So you're in Red Hill. Is that where you are now? No, so Red Hill is where I was born. Okay. I live in Milton Keynes. That's about half an hour north of London. Okay. Yeah. All right. So well, been, um, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I just kind of like the culture. I love to read where you're at and kind of what you do. So let's, let me finish with one more question. Cause I always, I always kind of let the Lord lead me kind of when I, when I ask these questions. So what does a day look like in the life of Elizabeth? Like what, now that you're obviously away from, you, you know, it's really funny. I, I worked with this girl, Elizabeth, you'll appreciate the story. I worked with this young girl last year before the pandemic and she was exercising like 30 some hours a week. She's a triathlete in Canada. Right. And so they swim, they bike, they run, they work out. Right. And she was super thin. Like she's as thin as this pin. Right. And she was five ten, and she weighed like 105 pounds. Right. And I was like, you are underweight. She's like, my organs are failing. I can't do this anymore. And I said, and she was paying thousands of dollars for coaches. Right. And one thing I said to her, if you see her now, like she was, I, I could tell she had an eating disorder. I kind of gave her some encouragement, you know, I mean, when you're 5'10", you weigh, you know, 110 pounds, you're skinny, right? You're underweight, right? And so now I see her on, on Instagram and all this other stuff. And I just kind of watch, right, to see what she's doing. And now she's her, you know, you can tell she's healthy. She's doing all this stuff. You can tell she weighs about 135 to 140 pounds, which is what she should weigh, right? You know? And you can see it, right? Um, and it was just those one couple little things of eating more, obviously, and allowing her body to come back and feed itself uh, nutritionally and properly instead of her body feeding off of her body, right? 
And I think that that's a good thing. So tell me what uh, 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 your life looks like now. Like, what are you doing now? So I like to start my day well to set me up for the day, get my energy right. So I, I'm an early riser. I, like, I would say I typically get up at 6 a.m. And the first hour will be spent meditating and visualizing and contemplating you know the day my goals the things that I want to do I'll do maybe 20 to 30 minutes of reading of something to to better my to improve my knowledge to learn from others and then I exercise so at the moment, the gyms are closed. So me and my partner will go out for a walk and we'll either go for a walk or a run. Maybe we'll walk for an hour somewhere or we'll do some running or some intervals and core training inside, different exercises and things like that. And when I've done that, I feel good. I feel kind of ready for the day. That's awesome. And then I have my, I make up my green smoothie. That works well for me to have the smoothie with avocado, spinach and ginger and different powders of mushrooms and things like that in. Yeah, we were talking about those earlier. Yeah, mentioned that one. Yeah. And then I'm just stuck into the day of work and that will just vary because I've got different ventures going on. Maybe I'm coaching somebody, maybe I'm doing an interview or something like that, or I'm networking on clubhouse um, on clubhouse <laughs> or creating content but it's another thing that i actually do um, on the side is some youth mentoring okay awesome so sometimes i'm i do programs with that and um i love that yeah so that's actually with the dame kelly holmes trust okay yeah so i've been doing that for a few years so i still continue to do that and so sometimes I'm out and about if we can be in schools or different venues doing that. Um, so that's what kind of like the bulk of my day looks like. And then I like to try to find time. I've got to manage myself in that I, because I love what I do. I could keep working till all hours, but it's also not the lifestyle that I want in that I as an athlete you really put everything into it and a lot of things get pushed to one side and I don't don't want to do that anymore I don't want to live that lifestyle now there are things that are very important to me relationships are important having downtime and I did experience in this kind of earlier entrepreneurial stage where I wasn't having that downtime I wasn't taking care of myself I was up late I was up early in the morning I was on the coffee I was on the road a lot. So I, you know, and if I wasn't prepared, I'd be eating foods that just didn't sit right with me. And I did not feel good. And so I I was like, come on again, get back to basics, you know, self-care. If you do not take care of yourself, you can forget all the goals you've got. And that's the truth. You know, so, yeah, taking that time to, you know, I like to have dinner at the same time as my partner and, you know, just catch up on the day and then read a little bit later on or maybe be on a clubhouse room <laughs> if well, you're making me be in that clubhouse room, Michael. Well, I appreciate that. And and I, I think I love it. So I love learning the culture of 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 
of English people, just mm -hmm. like you say, your partner, like here, we would say either a fiance or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever oh, okay. that is. I, I just love listening to it. How you guys say that. Like if you're, if you're married, you say your husband. And I, I so if you were married, you'd say your husband or whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just kind of how it goes. Right. So I just love how you guys use the, the, the term partner. I hear that a lot, like on Facebook, <laughs> when people are having English, you know, from, cause you obviously can't see people on clubhouse. So you just read their profile and you can tell by the way they talk and then they'll just say their partner or their, you know, here, like Lee, Lee Westwood, you know, who was supposed to get married back in May in, 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 in the UK, because you guys are on like this major lockdown, you know, have not been able to get married. Right. Yeah. And uh, she carries his cat, his bag for him here in the States, you know, as again, and they, and they asked him like, yay, you know, do you think maybe it would be better if she wasn't carrying your bag? Like she could walk and watch. And he's like, no, she wants to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, and then people ask him like, well, you know, what if it was somebody who knew the game a little bit better and communicated? And he's like, I just love being around her. Right. I just love that. So why don't you tell people real quick, like how they can connect with you and, and get to know you a little bit better and find you, um, so that they could, they, if they want to know more and they want to connect you, I know you have a website and stuff. I want you to tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yes. In terms of my website, it's elizabethcan.com. That's actually getting refreshed at the moment. My partner does coding, so oh, okay. <laughs> quite handy. He's in the middle of revamping my whole website. So I've had that one for quite a few years now. So that'll be interesting to bring some updates on there. Connect with me on Instagram. It's at elizabeth underscore can. So can is spelled C-A-N-N. Elizabeth is with a Z. And yeah, I've got a, I'm more active probably on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Um, but yeah, de definitely if anyone's got any questions, I love connecting with awesome. people and talking about these. So yeah. I'm so glad. I, well, I was looking at your website earlier and just had it pulled up and I was, you know, reading about your mom and how close you guys were. And so I, I really have a lot of value and appreciate that because I'm really close with my mom. Yeah. Um, I wasn't close with my dad for years. Now I'm a little bit closer. I moved closer to my dad. Um, you know, I'm hoping that he lives at least another five years. I got him 11 more years. He'll be, he was supposed to, they told him he was going to die, you know, and I put him on a bunch of products and he lived, he's lived 11 more years, which yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that, but uh, thank you so much for being with me today. It was really enlightening. I feel like I know you better now. I feel like we'll be friends for a long time. I feel like we can bring a lot of value to each other. Um, I read your website more. I'll probably read some more stuff because I, I just really like people. Right. And so guys, the only way people, the only way that people get a chance to listen to this is if you share it, download it, give us a review. Um, hopefully it's a five-star review, right. Is how people get to learn more about Elizabeth and Glenn Lundy and Dr. Eric Thomas and just the, all the people that we have on this. And as I say this all the time, you know, to finish these podcasts, just love God, love people. And you heard Elizabeth say this, you know, um, it, it, she said heart centered, purpose driven and ambitious. I think that's a great life to live heart centered, purpose driven and ambitious. So thanks for listening to another session of the HeFluence podcast. God bless. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the HeFluence podcast. We hope you enjoyed. 
Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.